All right, I'm only going to say this once. How dramatic would that be if I started this episode that way and actually had something to say? All right, I'm only going to say this once, okay? Okay? Mr. Important over here. You should try that. Try that with somebody in your family. I guarantee you'll have their attention immediately. Just look at them in the eyes and kind of make one of your hands like a karate chop and start that chop at your face and then bring it down to your hip. So start it at your face, karate chop hand, and then as you're saying it, bring it to your hip. Look, I'm only going to say this once. Guarantee anybody around you, even strangers, are about to listen up. Oh shit, he's only about to say this once. That will capture the attention of anybody. Maybe not a toddler. I don't know what could capture the attention of a toddler, but adults, even if it's your closest friend, just drop it. Even if you're kidding around on the phone next time you're talking to a close friend. Hey, okay, look, I'm only going to say this once. They're going to be like, what the fuck do you have to say? All right, I'm starting with the dumb stuff. The exact opposite of what you would expect from a man who just said, I'm only going to say this once. Like, I'm putting my foot down. No, 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 no. I'm starting episode 98 with the dumb shit, and then we're going to work our way to the significant stuff. Actually, you be the judge. You might think the stuff at the beginning is significant, and then as I get into the end and start talking about the heavy stuff, you might be like, nah, that's okay. This is where I press pause and go on with my day. All right, you want to know when people are the most confident. It's when they're discussing their smoothies recipes. Honestly. You could even take somebody who's not confident at all, but ask them, hey, what do you put in your smoothie? And all of a sudden, they're an expert. No, 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 not just an expert, but all of a sudden, what they say is the only way. It's the right way. So soon, of course, I'm about to tell you what I put in my smoothies. And guess what? I mess up a lot. I do. I do. I'm only going to say this once when I give you my smoothie recipe. But people's confidence when telling you what goes in that blender And everybody thinks they have the secret ingredient that makes them unique. Nobody's like, I make a pretty good smoothie. I guess I make an okay smoothie. No, 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 no. When people talk about the smoothies they make, all of a sudden, it's like they're running for office and this is their platform. I put in a banana and some ice. And if you're sitting down, I hope you are sitting down for this. I put in some spinach. At that point, I start peeling the orange and I get the berries ready. And I don't use milk. I use almond milk. I use oat milk. I use soy-based. Oh, boy. I actually have to sneeze right now. I think I'm just going to pause the podcast. Or should I just sneeze? How happy are you that you are nowhere near me? People can't be sneezing around one another, even if everybody has a mask on and you're 10 feet apart. You can't be sneezing. So I don't think I'll edit that out. I don't edit shit out. Why? Why edit something out? Is a sneeze going to offend you during the pandemic? Hope not. I have to sneeze again. Oh, no. This is off to a rough start. This one's off to a rough start. I think I'm just going to take a sip of my coffee and get back to a really solid smoothie rant. Seriously, people talk to you about a smoothie like they're giving you advice that's going to help your life. Like they have some sort of a wisdom, philosophical wisdom that they possess that nobody else knows. Like everybody else is just throwing shit into the blender. But if you listen to me, look, you got to put three quarters cup pineapple juice. Okay. You writing this down? You writing this down, pal? Honestly, ask somebody today. 
hey, do you know a good smoothie recipe? Like, do you make smoothies? What do you put in yours? They'll be like, do I do I make a smoothie? Yeah, of course I make it. Okay, so you get the frozen mango, right? They always tell you what to get. You have to go to six different stores. And then you get the spirulina over at Whole Foods. And then you get the super greens powder over at Trader Joe's. And then you rush over to Costco. And that's where you get the big half bananas organic already peeled. You're like, I ain't doing shit. You remember when Jamba Juice came out and we all thought it was healthy? It ain't. Okay. I think I've said that on a podcast before. Even smoothies, there are theories out there that smoothies aren't that healthy because once you blend up all the fruit, it loses its nutritional value. Is that even true? Do I just listen to everything I hear in the world of nutrition and then apply it to the point where I'm just eating oatmeal every day? And some of you are going to Google hazards of oatmeal and send it to me and I'll go, okay, no more oatmeal. You can tell me the healthiest thing right now and I'll Google hazards of. You tell me, well, wild-caught salmon, sockeye salmon is really the best thing you could put in your body. I'll Google the shit out of that and I'll type in dangers of wild-caught sockeye salmon. Guarantee three blogs, two articles, one editorial, seven threads on Reddit warning me against it. So I guess I got to just be a pioneer and bravely go forward into the world of food with things that I think are pretty good. Maybe things that I hope are pretty good, and then a few cheat days mixed in. All right, who's with me? What do you put in your smoothie? All right, I made the worst smoothie the other day, which is what triggered this thought. Like, my smoothie confidence plummeted. I always serve smoothies to my wife and my daughter. Like, there you go. What a gift. You're welcome. But the other day, I think I forgot banana or yogurt or ice. I forgot a good amount of ingredients. And what I served was so disgusting. My two-year-old just took one sip put it down, looked at me and said, yucky. I said, you're right. That's the perfect Yelp review right there. Zero stars, yucky. But here's what you want to do. All right, here's my time to tell you what should go in a smoothie. Defrosted fruit. Don't you do the frozen berries. Nectarine, orange, banana, ice, almond milk, a scoop of Greek yogurt. All right, done. And now you're listening to that and going, nope. God damn it, no. Listen to him spreading this propaganda. I can't. But yeah, that's the most confident you'll ever see people discussing their recipe. It's not like every person in the kitchen feels confident with all their recipes, but smoothies get the best out of people. All right, I'm only going to say this once. You're expecting something big right now? I probably will say it more than once. But while we're in the culinary world, while we're discussing advanced palates, what we consume, I'm about to say some things about wine right now that I don't think you're ready for. I don't. I think maybe I'll pause right now and maybe spray some hand sanitizer on, get outside, take a few deep breaths, because what I'm about to say about wine, I don't think you're ready for. I'll say it. I'll try to support you through this, because some of you are just going to stop listening altogether, but... I'll start with, I like wine. I do. And now I will follow that up by saying it's all total bullshit. The entire industry. It's complete and total bullshit. Wine is described by saying many things that aren't wine. You know what red wine tastes like? It tastes like a beverage called red wine. Nobody in the wine world wants to say that. 
They want you to say things like plum. Oh, I'm getting some vanilla here. Ooh, a little cherry on top. Peppery. Is anyone getting pepper? Pepper. Oh, tobacco. You get a little, you get a little of that? A little kiwi. Oh, right on the nose. A little kiwi. Oh, is anybody else getting boysenberry? Everyone sips their wine, discusses it. Huh. No one says, this one tastes like red wine. They'll kick you out of the winery. What the fuck did you just say? Curtis, get your ass out of here. Take your ass out of Ridge at once. Go wine tasting at Carlos Rossi. Rossi? Rossi. Carlo? Rossi. Is there a real vineyard for that table wine? That big jug of heaven? This entire world of describing what you taste is just totally bizarre. You have smart adults. You have smart people who take sips of red wine and start discussing things that they taste, that they maybe taste because it's in their head and they know that's part of the game. Now, once again, I like wine. The other night I had an Italian Chianti. You know what it tastes like? Only red wine. And I read the label and it went on and on about hints of chocolate, cappuccino, mocha. None of that. I, I tasted none of it. And don't you tell me my palate is an amateur palate. Like, if it gets advanced, if you really understand the wine world, that's where you could appreciate how the tannins give you a nice raspberry finish. None of it. None of it. Read every bottle. Go to the grocery store. If you know wine, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't and you just don't care for wine, go to the grocery store. Read the back of the bottle. It'll tell you what it pairs with. Pairs nicely with a fish and the special aroma of apple pie that you're going to taste on its way down a path of bananas and pears and it'll finish strong with a big old peach kick to your nuts. No, none of it. Total bullshit. Wine tasting. It's fun. It's fun. But what are we doing? What are we doing? If every wine label just said wine and on the back, it said, this tastes like red wine. Would it hurt sales? Would it? I don't think so. I think people are pretty committed by now. And how much wine is the world consuming during this pandemic? I mean, I'm going on a cleanse. I'm done here. Goodbye. Goodbye, Chianti. We had a nice little tango, but it's the end of the road. All right, I'm only going to say this next one once or maybe a few times. But Spotify is awesome if you know what you're in the mood for. But Spotify can lead you down a path where you go, what the, what the hell is happening in the music world? Stay with me for a moment. So there's a band I like, Bahamas. And Spotify is a streaming service. I like to explain this stuff just in case you drop down from Mars and decided to listen to this podcast. Okay, you know what Spotify is. So any artist you've ever liked, every song they've ever written, every album in the history of music is on Spotify. Therefore, it's just an on-demand world we're in. The way music is consumed nowadays is just, hey, here's a song I like and I want to listen to it right now. It didn't used to be that way. Okay, no need to scream. These are nice people listening. So Spotify allows me to take any artist I like. Bahamas, the band. You can take any artist you like. Frank Sinatra, Dave Matthews, Bob Marley, John Legend, whoever. And it gives you related artists, meaning other singers, other musicians that kind of sound like this. So I go through all of them and I realize I'm going down the rabbit hole because if it's like this band sounds like Bahamas or this singer sounds like him and then I click on that and then it's related artists and six new Bands or singers that I've never heard of. And I go through their catalog. This is a weird way to spend my time looking for good music. Outside of my friend Jason, who recommends a good song once in a while, I don't really know how to discover good music. Saturday Night Live used to have a musical guest once a week that I would criticize. 
But every so often, I'd hear something new, and i go, okay, actually, that's pretty good. But really, my wife and I, we're not discovering great new music anymore. That's for teens. Or maybe that's for people that actually care more. So I'm doing the Spotify game, and I have discovered this world of guys who whisper sing. Have you heard these guys? They have raspy, breathy voices. Singers who know about six chords on the guitar with really generic, obvious lyrics. I went through about 50 songs in a row. They all kind of sound like the same bullshit. Talking about love, either a girl that dumped him or a girl that didn't understand him or what it feels to love or struggles. Like they probably wrote these songs thinking this is going to be so deep. I'm going to get so many clicks on Spotify. I think I delved deep into the amateur world on Spotify. She had my heart. She tore it up. I click next and it's, I know she loved me. Nope. Next. And I just find all these new names, just like regular guy names. Keith Coleman. Click. Oh, there it is. Here's a headshot with the guitar. Running through the field of love. C. D. G. Oh, he put A minor in there. I'm not a connoisseur, but these are simple songs with a whisper, raspy, breathy voice. Doesn't sound great. Some people can make it work. There's a few whisper, raspy, breathy singers out there, and they're pretty damn good. They probably all worship John Mayer. And some people, they'll give you a little shout in the lyric. She made my world so nice. And you're like, all right, enough's enough. Why did I spend about an hour away from my family clicking away on Spotify when really I could just listen to the Bahamas? There's only so many minutes in my day. I think I'll just be happy listening to this band. Maybe wait on a Saturday Night Live musical guest. I was trying so hard to be the guy that finds new music. I mean, I found a couple, but I was trying to be that guy. The I will only... Say this once, guy. And then tell you a song. You ever recommend a song to somebody? They listen to it in front of you and they hate it? That's quite a moment. Like the song hits you and you're like, oh, it's just the best. And you watch them listen to it and they're just like, yeah, it sucks. What does that do to your soul? You're like, oh boy, well, this didn't, this certainly didn't pan out. This did not unfold the way I thought it might. Actually, in this house, if it's not Rafi or Wheels on the Bus... I think my wife and I have the similar taste, I think. So most of the time, most of the time, the music, I'm the house DJ. You should know this. I'm the house DJ with the jam box. I'm batting about 400, which will put me in the Hall of Fame. All right, follow me with this. I'm only going to say this once. The NBA is coming back, and it probably shouldn't. The NBA is supposed to come back later this month. I go to ESPN.com every day. A new player has tested positive for COVID-19. Or a new player says, I actually don't want to come back and play basketball right now. How about that? Battling for a rebound in the paint as sweaty bodies collide? I don't know. That just sounds like something we probably shouldn't do. And I know all the protocol. I know all the precautions. Temperatures taken. Players will be tested. No audiences. One site for all the games in Orlando and some players are just coming out slowly and saying I don't really want to play either worried about contracting COVID-19 or worried that you're taking the attention away from the Black Lives Matter movement I get that 
could a lot of these black NBA players who are now becoming major voices for justice in our country, which is a wonderful thing, if they just go back to playing basketball, does the attention veer away from perhaps where it needs to be right now in this country? Like we need to keep having rallies and protests and raise awareness because if that dies down, you know, our news cycle, it's so rapid. If a topic dies down, all of a sudden we act like it went away. Well, this one shouldn't go away. And a lot of players have come up and said, we want the movement to remain paramount for our fans, for the citizens. And that's why the NBA came back and it kind of savvy. Adam Silver, pretty good commissioner, kind of savvy. The NBA came back and released a statement about how they claim to now turn their comeback into the, one of the major vehicles of bringing attention to police brutality and racial injustice. I'm going to my phone right now, and I'm going to Google the exact statement released by the league. Hold on. So here we go. The NBA releases this statement. Quote, a central goal of our season restart will be to utilize the NBA's platform to bring attention and sustained action to issues of social injustice, including combating systemic racism, expanding educational and economic opportunities across the black community, enacting meaningful police and criminal justice reform, and promoting greater civic engagement. We are in discussions with the Players Association to develop a comprehensive strategy on how the NBA, its teams, and players can best address these important social issues and uniquely position our league to drive action and create meaningful and generational change. I read that the first time and I was like, okay, I'm on board. I love it. Like if the NBA could say it's not just about basketball and I'm trying to not be cynical because I know these rich owners, they want to come back and they want to generate cash, cold green cash. But now the league is saying, no, no, no. Our goal, look, we're going to put Black Lives Matter on the court. I like that. They say we're going to let our players wear slogans on their jerseys mantras, phrases to bring attention to the cause. And then they're saying our goal is not just to play basketball, but it is to become a major source of publicity for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I was excited because at first the NBA coming back didn't sound great to me. I don't know why. I was just like, I'm not so in the mood. Like, just give me another 10 episodes of the Michael Jordan documentary or the Bulls documentary, as they were calling it. Wink, wink. But ultimately... I can agree. I don't think this will take the attention away from the movement. I think if it's used properly, think about the amount of eyeballs that are going to be watching sports at the end of this month. Are you kidding me? How many people are excited about it? And I will get excited, even though the Warriors season is over, of course. But that's pretty wild that they're going to have these guys. You can't social distance. And I'm not just talking about the players, but the coaches and the trainers and the entire staff. They're all going to be in hotels around Orlando. And you Oh, at least one player on every team is going to find a way to get out to a club, go to a bar, go to a party. Young people. These are young people. NBA players, early 20s. They're going to party. They're going to spread it. And now I'm not even being cynical or negative. I'm being realistic. You think 12 young millionaires are going to stay in their hotel room? Really? You think that? No, one guy's going to get it. Actually, it's already happened. I'm not breaking news. There was just a story last night that a guy in the Clippers had in the Clippers like, all right, we're closing down operations. Enough's enough. So for the guys that are worried right now, I don't think they feel like they could just come out. There have been a couple of guys who are like, you know, I just might stay home. I have a grandma who needs me. And that's nice. But think about the many players who don't want to be judged at this point for saying no thanks. Empty arenas in Orlando. 
in a season where we probably should just be in our homes, sheltering in place, wearing masks, instead of going back to these intimate small settings for entertainment. So now I'm conflicted. I really don't think the NBA should come back for that reason. But when you say our goal is to provide some more publicity to the Black Lives Matter movement, then I'm like, all right, yeah. Because if you slowly see, if you slowly see the protests and the rallies go away, then we just lapse back into our old ways. And that's the danger right now. There's your sports talk for the weekend ahead. How'd that work for you? Okay, I think I should have only said that once, although I probably got a little repetitive. Speaking of one person gets it, then it spreads and spreads and spreads, and you got to shut down the whole operation. That'll probably happen within 24 hours of the league coming back. But schools, should I even go there? No, I think I just made the point real quick. Schools, schools open. Kids back on campus, hybrid schedules. We're going to sterilize every desk. We're going to keep the kids apart. Let me just tell you it all works out. Seriously, I'm going to tell you it all works perfectly. All these plans to get the kids back on campus and the teachers back on campus, fine. But the first kid that gets it, do we just shut down the operation? Like if I'm teaching, someone comes in to give me a little slip and on that piece of paper it says, John needs to go to the office. I go, oh boy, John needs to go to the office? We heard him cough this morning when he arrived onto campus. We later tested him. Johnny's positive. Caught the COVID. Yeah, I'm not just saying my class. I'm saying every teacher in the nation. If you got one kid, catches it, spreads it, has to quarantine. I know they have to isolate. Do we just shut it down immediately? If that's the case, I know there's a lot of questions right now. There's about a thousand questions. That's why I don't want to harp on this too much. But if that's the case, uh, yeah. Schools are going to open for about a blink of an eye. And then we're back. Back in front of our screens. Hey, let's Zoom. Are you awake? I'm Zooming with you, not even your face, but just your name that you put on the screen and getting Zoom bombed by a kid who drew a dick. Hey, um, could we not? Thanks. Great. Okay. Tough to manage that kind of online classroom, but I'll tell you, you want to see me face to face this year? I'll be an enforcer. I'm going to come in in a bubble, not even a mask. I'm going to roll myself into the room in a bubble. Kids aren't going to be able to hear a damn thing. No, no, no. Maybe I'll have a microphone in my bubble. And then speakers outside of the bubble. Because if I didn't have that, it'd be like... And then Martin Luther's Reformation spread the Protestant religions all throughout Europe. Any questions? No, I gotta make it very clear from my bubble. And maybe the kids should be in bubbles. Actually, what was the show? I don't know, was there a show with people in bubbles? I was about to say Wipeout, but I don't think that's how Wipeout worked. If I got 30 kids in the room... And yes, they're all shoulder to shoulder, but they're in mini bubbles. That's why they don't put me on the committees, folks. That's why nobody invites me to the meetings. So, psychology today. If you're feeling a little thin layer of anxiety every day, like life's fine for you. Let's just say life's fine for you. Meaning you're not in financial despair or ruins right now. You're still getting paychecks. You're still finding a way to manage Everyone in your family is healthy, which is what I hope for you. I genuinely mean that. I hope that for you, even though I'm just speaking into a mic right now and I don't know who's listening, but it's my genuine hope. If that's happening, your family's healthy and you're not totally worried about your financial situation right now, do you still feel a little of that worry each and every day and you just have to chalk it up to, well, we're in a pandemic. I don't think this is just me projecting 
how I feel because I am happy most days, but there's like that thin layer. You go, I just feel concern consume me. And maybe it's how I consume news because I know I'm easily influenced by an ugly article. But I had to look up the psychological science behind this. There's a lot of Americans right now who are doing fine. I'm not, not doing great during an ugly crisis like this, but there's a lot of Americans who are doing fine yet not always feeling fine because this level of uncertainty. Now, the word uncertainty, we all live with many levels of uncertainty every day. That's what life is. That's the game we play. But you put us all into this pandemic situation and it exponentially increases. So there's a little research into this currently, current research, uh, talking about what we're facing right now. A lot of people with these prolonged lockdowns are not getting back to normalcy. Whatever our semblance of normalcy used to be, knowing that it's done, feeling depression, anxiety, loneliness, missing socialization. God, if you're an extrovert right now and also following the rules, eebly. So these conditions are threats. The current world threatens our sense of calm, well-being, stability. It all goes back to our amygdala. This is a structure in our brain that acts as the alarm system when it detects a threat. Maybe I'll read this like Hunter S. Thompson. When our amygdalas detect a threat, it sets into motion a cascade of stress hormones and neurotransmitters like adrenaline and cortisol to help fight and flight and freeze. This response is designed to pump blood to the heart and large muscles. To fight, or I'll get off that, sorry. To fight or flee from a predator while taking non-essential functions like digestion offline. That's why you don't feel hungry if your life is under threat. Or if you feel that way. It's true. Think about how intense you felt in previous situations of uncertainty. You probably didn't get that hungry, did you? It's because all of your body responses were pumping blood to the heart and muscles for fight, flight, flee. Yet the problem with this COVID-19 is that there's no fighting or no fleeing. It's just a virus that lingers out there causing us to say we shouldn't be around other humans. And there's nowhere to flee. So what happens, and this is according to Dr. Brian E. Robinson. Always got a credit. Hey, journalists out there, you always got to give your source. Dr. Brian Robinson says, if your brain doesn't know what's around the corner, it cannot keep you out of harm's way. It always assumes the worst over-personalizes threats, and jumps to conclusions. Oh, doctor, you just described my brain. If you tell me, yeah, coronavirus could be here forever. Who knows when a vaccine's coming? I don't know if you're going back to teach. The economic situation in the world, it's plummeting. You tell me all these things, and you don't follow it up with, but here's how it could be resolved, because everybody's just guessing at this point. I know scientists are using science, but really, the uncertainty is so palpable. It's so strong that my brain will go to the worst possible scenarios. At times. Not always. At times. Just thinking. If you're wondering why you feel a little of that lately, even if you're somebody that has like strong mental health, good constitution, solid perspective, and you're feeling like, ah, oh God, there are moments throughout the day that just, I feel off. That's what's happening. These are chemicals. It's beyond you. How powerless are we? How powerless are we when we think about these batteries in our skulls called brains? How's your battery functioning today? Uh, good moments. It got low at about 3 p.m. It got low when I pictured my daughter never going down a slide again. But I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Fill up the Chianti glass. What's that? We're out. Okay. What does that Chianti taste like? Oh, are you ready for this? It pairs perfectly with anything because it tastes like nothing but red wine. Oh, okay. You mean it doesn't pair perfectly with lamb chops because it tastes like raspberry bread pudding? 
and Honeysuckle. Hey, Honeysuckle. All right, I think I'm going to get out on this. It's just a weird thought. I'm only going to say this once, but just a very weird thought. What if we all just hatched? Like, no external influences over our personalities. So what we are right now, what you are right now, pretty much the result of your family, your parents, the culture around you, surrounding culture, friends, schools, religions, standards of society, political foundations that are in place way before you were born. And then you come into that little baby right out of the vagina, breathing air for the first time. Look at this newborn baby. How pure, how pure, right? In that moment. And then all the things I just said, parents, influence, friends, influence, society, schools, religions, standards, politicians, everything jammed into your world. Not immediately, but slowly, progressively, you grow up and start to wonder, huh, why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? All that stuff. What if, this is just a sci-fi movie I'm going to write with you. What if we were still born from humans, but raised without any indoctrination or influence? Get us into the world, and then none of that. Just put me on a different planet, as if I just hatched with all of my needs taken care of. Then who am I? I'm not this guy. I'm not Josh Rosenberg. Not even close. My interests, my tastes, that'd be interesting to know who we really are without all the baggage that we've come across. I mean, I'm fine with this. I hope you're fine with this. You can't change it. It happened. So it's always going to happen. Every human forever and moving forward will just be pretty much results of what they were born into. That's why when you really realize that, it could kind of decrease the level of hate you feel towards the people you hate. Like right now, there's plenty of people I hate. You know, the news is feeding me some ugliness right now. And I see all these people, I go, I hate them. And then a little compassion creeps in. I go, but they were born into that. Like if that's really their belief system, they weren't just born into an empty planet, hatched and got to create their own identities on their own by their own volition. No, no, no. It's probably some toxicity in their society, in their family. They learned, most of this shit is learned behavior. Look at these people who are making you sick on the news right now. Look at these people. You hate them, right? You hate a lot of these people. Posting hate on social media. Fighters. Irrational folks showing up at city council meetings to say, I'm not wearing a fucking mask. Oh, who are these people? Like, you couldn't have been born that way. Yeah, you got born in this trashy route that I guess I shouldn't judge too much, but don't we all? So help me write this movie. I think the title is Hatched. Hatched. Still human, but you get to go. I'm just picturing white. Like just you live in a cloud, a robot brings you three meals a day. It's up to you to invent how you want to spend your time. Should I create music? Should I invent something? Leisure recreation. Does this make any sense? Is this where I realize I need a nap? Who would star in the movie Hatched? It would have to be a str- Johnny Depp. Done. Okay, I just watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas last night with my wife. Holy shit, is Johnny Depp great. Is he the best actor of all time? Honestly, if you look at his filmography and you go, oh, wow, he was amazing in that. 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 As Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing, why wasn't that movie hyped by critics? 50% rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Such baloney. I said baloney. How do you spell it? B-O-L-O-G-N-A or O-N-E-Y? How do you spell baloney? You sick, you sick bastard. Do you really spell it that way? 
Okay. All right. I forgive you. And I'm sorry I called you names. But everything else I mean. Everything else I mean. So Johnny Depp stars as Walter Fondue. As the hit movie Hatched hits theaters this Friday. Actually, nothing's hitting theaters. We're still in place. We're still sheltering. I don't think you could go to movies. I know the rules change every day, but I don't think you can. I don't think you can. You know what you can do? You could drop a rating on iTunes. Go ahead. Do it. All right, pal. I appreciate you. I love you. Stay healthy. I mean that. Some of this stuff, it's a little out there. But that last thing I just said, stay healthy. I mean that. All right. Episode 98. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 